Ken Forrester, Executive Director at Momenta. Welcome to our Digital Thread Podcast, produced by, for, and about digital industry leaders. In this series of conversations, we capture insights from the best and brightest minds in digital industry. They're executives, entrepreneurs, advisors, and other thought leaders. What they have in common is like our team at Momenta, they are deep industry operators. We hope you find these podcasts informative. And as always, we welcome your comments and suggestions. Good day and welcome to episode 171 of our Momenta Digital Thread podcast series. Today, I'm pleased to host Sean O'Regan, Acting Head of Industry 5.0 at the European Commission's Directorate General for Research and Innovation. In this capacity, he leads the development and adoption of Industry 5.0 as a human-centric, resilient, and sustainable approach to digitalization of industry. Mr. Reagan previously managed the setup and implementation of the joint technology initiatives at the first public-private partnership in research and innovation at the European level. He also managed the Industrial Technologies Program under the Horizon 2020 European Framework Program for Research and Innovation. Prior to that, he managed the European Commission's benchmarking for competitiveness and innovation initiative. And finally, before joining the European Commission, Sean held management positions with Enterprise Ireland and with the Irish Industrial Development Agency, or IDA. Sean, welcome to our Digital Thread podcast. Thank you very much, Ken. Very happy to be able to join you today. Our conversation is coming at a quite an exciting moment in our Industry 5.0 journey as we move now from developing the concept to beginning the rollout and implementation together with our stakeholders. So I think it's a very good moment. and I'm delighted to be with you today. Ah, thank you so much. And we're very delighted to have you as well. We've had several conversations through 2021. And I tell you, you've certainly got momenta excited about the great work you guys are doing. So I really look forward to drilling into this. Let's start a little bit with your own personal journey. What would you consider to be your digital thread? In other words, the one or more thematic threads that defined your digital industry journey. I think, Ken, for me, it would very, very much be the profound impact that digitalization is having on industry innovation, the challenge and the opportunity that this presents. I mean, from where I'm sitting, this starts upstream with the impact that digitalization is having on the scientific research that feeds innovation. Digitalization has increased significantly the productivity of scientific research, and we see how it's enabling novel forms of collaboration and discovery, and also enhancing the reproducibility of research results. And that is very exciting for us, managing European programs and bringing together researchers across Europe because it opens up new opportunities for collaboration. And this, in turn, is for us transforming what I would say the, the very DNA of innovation. By accelerating the rate of knowledge diffusion and indeed its valorization, digitalization is really boosting open innovation. And this facilitates matching supply and demand for technology and then in turn for services and skills. So for us, it's opening up access to larger talent pools, which again gives us new momentum for what we're trying to do in European research and innovation. And so within this digital thread of innovation, my particular strand, I would say in particular, is ensuring that that industry embraces the innovation opportunity that's presented by the digital transformation. I mean, ever since the first industrial revolution, industry has been the engine of prosperity. But it remains the case that industry must continue to innovate on an ongoing basis and indeed ever more rapidly to remain competitive. 
And today this means riding the wave of innovation that is powered by digitalization. And this is the key to future-proofing industry and then having an industry that is, is agile and resilient because it is able to capitalize on flexible and adaptable technologies. You've clearly been an early advocate of industry in Europe. What attracted you to public service and particularly the interest in industry? Well, I would say that, first of all, my interest comes because of my particular interest in ideas. I've always been excited by new ideas. And public service provides the opportunity to bring ideas to reality. If I take an example of something I've been working on recently, the Transitions Performance Index. And this came out of an idea that we need to be able to monitor the progress towards uh, fair and equitable sustainability as we move into the, the digital world. And with what the TPI, as we call it, we've been able to provide a basis for a new model for prosperity that focuses not only on economic growth, but on resilience, inclusiveness and sustainability. I suppose the second reason that I was attracted to public service is the opportunity to be involved in really making progress happen through my career in public service. I've had the opportunity to be part of advancing the development of our economy and society in Europe. What I think has been particularly valuable for me has been the opportunity to foster the conditions in which the private sector can create value and in a way that also brings benefits to the economy and society generally. And so the work I was involved in leading the initiative on benchmarking of policies for competitiveness and innovation illustrates this quite well. At that time, benchmarking was widely used in the private sector. So our thinking was, why could it not be used as a mutual learning tool to improve public policymaking also? And once we clarified that this was not an exercise in naming and shaming countries, national policymakers across the European Union engaged fully in it. And it led to improvements in areas such as administrative procedures for startups and incentives for company-level innovation. And I suppose a third reason why I was attracted to public service is the opportunity to serve in itself. For me, there's an intrinsic reward in having the opportunity to put one's capabilities, knowledge and expertise to work for the public good. And of course, in that regard, I have had the privilege, particularly, of serving the European Union and helping to take forward the European project for the last 25 years. And I've had the opportunity to be involved in very important policy advances at European level over that time, such as the mainstreaming of policy for small and medium-sized enterprises, increasing the role of research and innovation in the overall uh, policymaking agenda at European level and the development of a partnership approach with industry at European level. And I think that my interest in particularly in working with industry in particular follows from that. Whatever the stage of economic development we're at, industry remains the backbone of the economy. And ever since the first industrial revolution, industry has been central to prosperity. And it's always been a vital source of employment creation, both directly, but also in what it can do to stimulate employment right across the economy. And for me personally, what is really I found most exciting from my work with industry is the opportunity to work with dynamic companies, to work with dynamic industry leaders and to help create the conditions in which their ideas and their dynamism can thrive and create new value. You know, what I appreciate is you've taken really a quantitative approach to how you assess and build policy. So you mentioned building the framework for European industrial policy for benchmarking Europe for competitiveness and innovation. And I'll take that all the way forward to the Horizon 2020 work you did on industrial technologies. What were some of the key insights from this seminal work? Well, it's an interesting question, Ken, because as I'm still very much involved in it, 
it takes some effort to stand back and reflect on the journey I've been on. But I think some insights would be, first of all, how the approach to supporting industry through our European research and innovation framework programs has involved, as we've seen research and innovation moving more centre stage on the European policy agenda. Really, we've moved from what was essentially a sectoral approach to funding projects to now we're in a situation where we have a strategic approach based on how industry can contribute to the key political objectives for Europe and orientating our support in a strategic way in that regard. So we now see industry very much implicated in European goals, such as making Europe fit for the digital age, delivering on the European Green Deal, and also ensuring that we have economy, an economy in Europe that works for people. So, for example, we've moved from this project-based approach to for our new program, Horizon Europe. It started with a strategic co-design process involving over 7,000 stakeholders. And this, in turn, led to strategic orientations, which guide now the priorities for our work programs. So we've really seen a much more strategic approach to how we can engage industry through our framework programs. I think a second very important insight for me is the value of partnering as a way of working with industry. 15 years ago, when I was at an early stage of my European journey, we saw that industry was disengaging from research and innovation programs at European level. But to reverse that, we found that what was useful was to actually work together with industry, first of all, by developing platforms, industry at the center, bringing together other stakeholders. And then out of that, in certain areas, industry came to us and said, well, we would like to have a more formal partnership. And so we have First of all, we developed a number of partnerships to help industry address long-term strategic objectives, which required long-term risk investment in areas such as innovation in health for new drug development or uh, next-generation aircraft. And then going beyond that, there were other sectors where industry came to us and said, well, we would still like going short of a formal joint undertaking with you. We would like to have a more informal partnership whereby we can program with you how we will invest at European level in research. So we've set up these more informal partnerships based simply on memoranda of understanding. So for me, a second insight is how partnering works so well as a way of working with industry in the area of research and innovation. And I suppose out of that, a third insight would be the important role that public funding can play in facilitating longer term risk investment by private players. The fact that in a way, we came in as partners, underwrote the, the longer term risk. And I think this concept of working together, we can widen it out. I remember when we started the work on benchmarking of competitiveness and innovation, there was hesitancy on the part of member states about the value of sharing practices. Now we've moved forward to a stage where we now have stakeholders, member states, industry, societal players, all coming together in the European Industry Forum to agree on how to implement transition pathways towards future prosperity, towards achieving greater sustainability and effective digitalization. So those will be some of the insights that come to my head. Wow. And I'm sure all of these have really, as we fast forward now, led up to the Industry 5.0 initiative, which we really want to talk about today. What is the origin story for Industry 5.0? I think the origins really come back to the recognition that if industry is to continue to play the role that it historically has as an engine of prosperity, it needs to rethink this role and what its position is in society today. And this, in the first place, means thinking beyond what the impact of digitalization and technological change 
can be on the factory floor. And it needs industry needs to also continue to contribute to the wider transformation of our society. In the first place, this obviously starts with industrial workers. They are citizens. They are part of society. Uh, the whole process of digitalization, they're seeing their roles changing and even in some cases being threatened. And also the whole concept of transformation means that increasing reliance on complex technologies will require new skills and new relationships. And this is where Industry 5.0 comes in. With Industry 5.0, we see workers as investments rather than simply a cost to the company. And we see the opportunity to capitalize on the potential for increased collaboration between humans and smart systems. If we can merge the opportunity of greater high-speed accuracy of industrial automation with the skills of humans, particularly their cognitive abilities and their capacity for creativity and for critical thinking. So in essence, the origins of Industry 5.0, where the story began, was the recognition that really a technology-driven approach is not sufficient to enable industry to play the role that it needs to in society going forward, and that we need to move to a more human-centric approach, capitalizing on the new technologies to realize the workers' capacities and to really maximize their creativity. So technology is really the catalyst, and what you're looking at is really the impact. And you guys have divided that along three lines, human centricity, sustainability, and resilience, which I really appreciate those focus areas. Can you briefly explain each and why these are so fundamental to Industry 5? Yes, certainly. I think that the first point to make is that these three elements need to be seen as mutually reinforcing. The human-centric dimension puts human needs and interests at the heart of the of the production process. Rather than focusing on what we can do with the digital technologies in themselves, with Industry 5.0, we're seeking to capitalize on technology to adapt the production process to the needs of the worker. In essence, Industry 5.0 is about how technology serves people rather than the other way around in the industrial context. It means that technology in manufacturing is used to capitalize on and to further realize the creativity and the diversity of the skills and capacities of industrial workers, rather than simply the worker adapting to ever-changing technology. And so in this way, workers become more empowered, and this can lead to greater productivity improvement for the company, and it also makes the workplace more inclusive. So allied to this, then, is the need of industries to play the role it historically has in our society, is for it to respect planetary boundaries. It needs to be sustainable. So what we're talking about is the need for circular processes that reuse, repair and recycle resources that reduce waste and limit environmental impact. Sustainability also means reducing energy consumption and greenhouse emissions so that we avoid depleting and degrading our natural resources. So in essence, the sustainability dimension is all about ensuring that we meet the needs of the current generation, but without jeopardizing future generations. Then resilience really is the third element of that. What we're talking about is the need to develop a higher degree of robustness in industrial production. We have seen in recent times, of course, the emergence of more and more globalized value chains and markets. But these are very vulnerable to disruptive changes. I mean, the current COVID-19 pandemic has highlighted in a way the potential fragility of our approach to globalized production. So Industry 5.0, in its resilience dimension, is about balancing this trend towards globalized production 
by developing sufficiently resilient strategic value chains, by having more adaptable production capacity, and also by having business processes that are flexible enough to respond to these disruptions, these changes, these challenges. I guess if I were to simplify that, I think of this as at least putting people and planet on par with productivity. You've also mentioned uh, process. That could be an interesting other P word. But in some sense, creating a triple bottom line. I guess another way to think about it is what Industry 4 represented in terms of productivity, plus really what we call ESG goals today or environmental sustainability and governance. Of course, Industry 4.0 represented the fourth industrial revolution or the digitization of industry. In this sense, do you see Industry 5.0 as a revolution or evolution? We certainly don't see it as a revolution. How we would see it is that it complements and it extends Industry 4.0. I mean, what we're talking about is looking beyond purely technological and economic aspects and recognizing the power that industry has to achieve greater societal goals beyond jobs and growth. I mean, in this regard, Industry 4.0 certainly provides some guiding principles for the further development of European industry to capitalize on technology. But at the same time, what we see missing with Industry 4.0 is that it is primarily a techno-economic vision. It points certainly the way to how technological advancements will impact on industrial value chains. And it is a vision for how industry will use technology to cope better in a challenging world and economy. And in this respect, I would say Industry 5.0 is an evolution because it complements the existing Industry 4.0 approach by focusing on a transition to a sustainable human-centric and resilient human industry by capitalizing on uh, technological development and digitalization. But at the same time, I think it's too simplistic to say that that Industry 5.0 is either a chronological continuation of Industry 4.0, or nor is it a, an alternative in, to Industry 4.0. It's more about helping to frame how industry and emerging societal trends and needs can coexist, I would say. With Industry 5.0, what we're trying to do is to realize the full value of new technologies going beyond the factory floor and also capitalizing on them to provide greater prosperity in the wider sense for our economy and society. You know, while maybe one wouldn't consider it a revolution, although I certainly argue that one because I think it's a very bold stance, I give the EU a lot of credit for taking such a global lead on this idea of E of the ESG benefits in addition to Industry 4, I think generally what we've seen over the last year, really from an investment perspective, is there has been a fundamental shift in terms of where people are looking to invest. And a lot of it is driven by impact. So the impact of technologies, the impact of policy versus simply the technologies that catalyze it themselves. I guess in some sense, this bold stance is a continuation because, of course, the EU has taken stances now on digital sovereignty most recently, on privacy with GDPR. I guess, is it a fair assessment to call this bold? And if so, where do you see this boldness emanating from? I think, yes, it does continue the trend of bold action, because I think it's clear that Europe is at its best when it acts in, in a bold way. And there are similarities with recent bold actions such as GDPR. I think the important difference is that in Industry 5.0, we're not aiming to have a regulation that will start Industry 5.0 or implement it. What we're much more looking to do is to develop a concept, to test it, to learn what works, and then to work in a spirit of co-creation with industry and other stakeholders and at the policy level to see the principles of Industry 5.0 being implemented. 
as you quite rightly say, Ken, what we've seen over the last year and the, the impact there has been is a much more a focus on what, what the impact of technology is. Therefore, I think this is another reason why this is the moment for Industry 5.0. Where does this boldness come from? I think there are a number of sources. I think, first of all, it comes from having visionary leadership at European level, at political and policy levels. And let me be very clear that with Industry 5.0, we have been able to advocate and push forward the concept very clearly and very strongly, thanks to the unwavering commitment we've had from our commissioner, Maria Gabriel, to tackle the innovation divide in Europe. And Industry 5.0 can be part of addressing the innovation challenge that Europe has. I think we've been very fortunate as well that allied to a strong commissioner, we have had a director general in Jean-Éric Paquet, who has had the wisdom to restructure the research and innovation service of the commission around the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals. And then within that structure, we've had a director for prosperity in Peter Droll, who has had a very strong zeal in ensuring that this Industry 5.0 concept has been thoroughly developed and taken forward. But I think the second reason for boldness in relation to Industry 5.0, as in other things, is that European citizens expect this from us. We have at the moment ongoing the Conference on the Future of Europe, which is bringing together citizens from right across the European Union. And in their discussions, particularly around the impact of the digital transformation, they are expressing their concerns about the potential implications that it can have for work and for society and for our culture. And they're very much indicating a wish that the digital transformation be implemented in a way that is in line with European values, and in particular in a way that allows us to capitalize and to take forward the creativity and the diversity of European workers. I think a third source of boldness for certainly is that we're building on a solid evidence base. I mean, we've seen in recent years various strands of academic literature that have focused on the opportunity for increased collaboration between humans on the one hand and smart systems. I think one academic smart has summarized it along the lines of leaving the monotonous repetitive tasks to the mechanical while opening up the creative side to the biological. And then there are some other academics who have focused on clear evidence that's emerging that success will come to industries that are more innovative and that are better able to respond to perhaps unexpected market changes and how Industry 5.0 is part of the way forward there because it accentuates and highlights the value of changing from mass automation to a process of using technology to enhance the capabilities of human workers. And I suppose finally in this regard, industry itself has told us that this is the way to go. Going back to 2016, there was an Accenture survey of over 500 manufacturing executives across the globe. And that showed somewhere envisaging that the way forward was through advanced collaborative production between humans and robots. And that was the way to make their plants more productive, to allow them to respond better to the demands for customization, and also to deliver on sustainability, while at the same time enhancing operational efficiency. So I think there are a number of different forces that are behind the boldness of our approach with Industry 5.0. Yes. And as I think you said in leading in, it really is the right initiative at the right time. I can see where industry is already heading in this direction. And I think you guys have wisely put a framework around that and hopefully leading that a bit. What are some of the key initiatives in the pipeline for the Industry 5.0 initiative and how can people learn more or participate? 
Well, as I said in my introductory remarks, Ken, we're really at a very interesting point now in our Industry 5.0 journey. And the, the year ahead, we'll see us evolving very much from presenting and communicating the concept to looking at the first industry 5.0 experiences with implementation to allow us to take stock of the state of the art and to identify good practice that can help us and help uh, stakeholders to move forward on their Industry 5.0 journey. So already this year, we have launched the first ever Industry 5.0 Award, and this will reward and recognize European projects whose results make European industry more resilient, sustainable, and human-centric. And indeed, there in developing this award, because we're working in the spirit of co-creation, we have developed the award jointly with our industry partners in the Factories of the Future Association and the, the Mana Future platform. And in addition to being an award and a recognition itself, we also see it as an opportunity to raise awareness, to take stock of what's happening with implementation of Industry 5.0 and to develop the framework going forward. Also, thinking on Industry 5.0 is developing. And over the past year, the Commission's independent expert group on the economic and societal impact of research has produced a policy brief on Industry 5.0. And this brought forward some very interesting ideas, particularly as to how we can uh, broaden the focus of Industry 5.0 to other areas of policy, which will need to come in and support if we really bed in Industry 5.0. So we're talking about things like employment policy, the way in which government deals with industry, and the way in which the taxation system can be tuned more to encourage and support those who go on the Industry 5.0 route. And in terms of how people can become more involved and learn more about Industry 5.0, the French presidency is indeed organizing, uh, as part of its industrial technologies conference in June of this year, a strand in relation to Industry 5.0. And so by connecting to that conference, this will be a good way for people to understand this, where we are with Industry 5.0 at this stage. Also, we will continue to develop this in conjunction with industry partners in and a future and uh, effort the factors of the future association so people can engage with them also to become involved in the debate and the discussions around industry 5.0 and to begin to participate as they were working with us as our partners in developing future work programs and the industry 5.0 dimension there but i will also emphasize that we don't see the real monopoly of new ideas for industry 5.0 and we're working very closely with the european institute of technology where its flagships are very much dovetailing with our Industry 5.0 philosophy. And that, in turn, is impacting on business education. They're adapting their modules to include the Industry 5.0 dimension. I'd also give a shout out to Inopharma Global, which has brought together more than 30 companies, small and medium-sized companies, right to multinational companies, and put in place a number of lighthouses, which are cross-sector in nature, and looking at how the digital and sustainability challenges that these companies face can be addressed by applying the, the principles of Industry 5.0 and by going in, in that direction. And also there are a, a number of conferences being organized at national level where people can engage also to understand more about Industry 5.0. So, Kenneth, as you can see, we have a lot going on in the year ahead as we begin to look much more towards implementation of Industry 5.0 and we're very keen to engage in dialogue with uh, stakeholders through these various fora. I would point our listeners to your policy brief, because I think it is a great white paper to describe Industry 5. It's titled Industry 5, Towards a Sustainable, Human-Centric, and Resilient European Industry. 
And that's available on the European Commission website. So, Sean, always in closing, I like to ask, you know, where do you find your personal inspiration? I think my personal inspiration, Ken, comes very much from the great minds and the deep thinkers that I encounter through and in my work. I mean, if I think back to the early stages of my career and my strong interest in industry and competitiveness and innovation, I think it'd not be a surprise that Michael Porter's work on competitive advantage was an early inspiration. And indeed, I still refer back to some of, of his thinking. In a similar vein, at European level, I have, from an early stage, found the thinking of Jacques Peltmans to be particularly enlightening. Going right back to his important work in relation to achieving the single market, he really brings original and stimulating insights, which help us really to, to, and certainly have helped me a lot, to think ahead and to be ambitious and to be to be open to new ideas. And then in the course of my career, I've been fortunate to engage with a lot of innovative and, and forward-looking thinkers who have really been a very good sounding board and a valuable source of inspiration. If I go back to my time benchmarking competitiveness and innovation, I got to know John Besant, who at that time with Howard Rush at the University of Brighton, was a, a very strong forward thinker on how to apply this benchmarking tool, which has been used in the private sector, to the policymaking environment. And to this day, uh, John remains an inspiring and forward-looking thinker on innovation, who's always looking at the next new idea and is really a great source of inspiration for me. And of course, in the current work on Industry 5.0, there are many inspiring interlocutors. Andrea Renda is one who comes to my mind. His insights on how Industry 5.0 can be a sort of North Star when it comes to European industrial strategy going forward. Really, I think he's opening up new avenues of thought and action into really how we can be more ambitious with what we want to do with Industry 5.0. And equally, Sandrine Dixon de Cleve, the co-president of the Club of Rome, has been also a formidable and, and insightful interlocutor as we've been moving forward on our Industry 5.0 journey. So for me, I would say the inspiration really comes from the opportunity I've had to engage with these very insightful thinkers who are always looking ahead of where we are at the moment. Excellent. I'd offer you've become a thought leader in your own right with this initiative and clearly with the work before as well. So, Sean, thank you for sharing this time and these insights with us today. Ken, it's really been a pleasure to have the opportunity to share with you my own personal journey and more particularly the exciting journey we're on and where we've got to and where we plan to go in the months and the years ahead to really bring Industry 5.0 to fruition, to allow industry to once again play its central role as a driver of prosperity in our economy and society in Europe. Well, we look forward to great things and Momenta particularly looks forward to supporting you in this very meaningful initiative. So this has been Sean O'Regan, Acting Head of Industry 5.0 at the European Commission's Directorate General for Research and Innovation. Thank you for listening and please join us next week for the next episode of our Digital Thread podcast series. Thank you and have a great day. You've been listening to the Momenta Digital Thread podcast series. We hope you've enjoyed the discussion. And as always, we welcome your comments and suggestions. Please check our website at momenta.one for archived versions of podcasts, as well as resources to help with your digital industry journey. Thank you for listening.